0: The American Experience with Ernesto Palomino.
1: Hi, welcome everybody. Uh, this is Ernesto Palomino, and you are listening to The American Experience. Uh, we want to thank our partners, Maximum Media Group. Uh, today's show is actually a very exciting one, so we'll we'll definitely get right into it. Uh, for all you fans of the paranormal and uh, ghost adventures uh, fans out there, uh, we have the the pleasure of speaking with two of Texas's own paranormal investigators we have fred guzman and steven garza guzman from san antonio texas uh guys uh, welcome and uh i'll open up the floor to you guys well great it was nice to have to uh, talk to you so, yeah
2: thank you for having us yeah uh, My we, pleasure. uh we're excited about this show thank you for,
1: for allowing us to, to participate with you oh well thank you guys for making the time um you know I, i've been really looking forward to getting a chance to speak with you uh, personally uh me and my girlfriend took the tour and you guys were so engaging you guys were so knowledgeable and we really came away with a, just a different experience of what we actually went in thinking uh and a ghost uh, i don't know what ghost tour would have been like because i was a little hesitant i i'm not gonna kind of d- deny that because I, when she was like hey we gotta go do this ghost tour I was like, I don't know. I mean, are, are we going to sleep anywhere? <laughs> are they going to like take us to the, to the, you know, in San Antonio's, uh, you know, obviously known for that whole train tracks uh, with the kids and the bus. And I'm yeah. like, I've already seen that. <laughs> but, you know, when we met up and it was a very chilly night. And so we were like toughing it out, but we didn't regret it. We were just so like, oh, my God, we talked about it and had, you know, conversations afterwards. Like those guys were like, how did they know all that stuff? And uh, well, you fast forward a year later and here with the launch of my podcast, she was actually the driving force behind me, actually contacting you again and uh, just really, really like appreciative and you guys are so gracious to make the time. Um, And uh, I kind of would like to just kind of jump into it. Um, But, you know, first of all, I'd like for them to be able to plug in the way to contact them, anybody that's out there interested in or visiting San Antonio, I know with uh, the, the, the way things are right now, but, you know, in the future, if you're ever in the San Antonio area, please, you know, make the time to go and, and not just for the experience, but, you know, you, you get a sense of what the history is, you know, for you, if you, even if you're not someone that is into the paranormal, you'll really start to understand some of this Texas history and the way it's kind of shaped the city. Um, and so that, from that sure. other, other added value, was, it was just really cool to, to go through that experience. But uh, please uh, feel free to plug in your social.
0: Yeah, so um, we, you, you know, we're on several different platforms, on uh, Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. You can find us there at Curious Twins Paranormal. And then we also have our website.
2: Yeah, CuriousTwins.com as well. And so, you know, we are, uh, we try to be a little bit different from other tour companies. And I I appreciate um, kind of your perspective as as a former, you know, customer of ours, uh, because I think there is a lot of um, misconceptions about what the paranormal is or what ghost tours are. And for us, it is about the history, it is about getting it right, and it is about kind of dispelling some of those. Um, You know, those feelings, those negative feelings or those feelings of fear about the paranormal that you see in horror movies or even with ghost adventures or some of the more mainstream paranormal shows. So for us, it's about the history and it is definitely about connecting with people like you. And so we love to connect with folks and hear stories, and we feel like everybody has some sort of experience with the paranormal that they're able to share with us, and that's one of our favorite things that we love about what we do.
0: So definitely follow us on social media and check out our website. That's the best way to do it. Yeah, you know, during this pandemic, you know we we are not giving you know regular tours. You know how we, we. offering private tours, and they're a really wonderful chance for us to really connect with guests, to be able to visit with them, not just kind of, you know, give them a presentation, but really for us to, to have a conversation and, and to, to teach and share, and so it's been a really rewarding experience, and we do it very safely, and we only take, you know, small groups out anywhere from two to eight people at a time, uh, but, you know, we, we are trying to, you know, keep our history here in, in Texas, and in San Antonio, alive, you know, even during this darker time for, for a lot of uh, Texans and Americans.
1: No, definitely. Um, no, yeah, for sure. I I, um, I would think that um, during these times, that the definitely safety is probably one of your top priorities. Um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, but, you know, don't create any more San Antonio ghosts. So we're definitely trying to keep things safe. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, segueing into and just piggybacking off your your point there, uh, just tell us a little bit about um, your start in the paranormal and um, how what kind of engaged you into first uh, starting in as an investigator as an investigator team, I should say.
2: Yeah, sure. So, for I think both of us, it started when we were younger. Uh, for me, I was just very much interested in the paranormal. I was interested in, primarily in horror movies and gothic fiction and just weird stuff as a kid, um, and that was my first introduction, um, but I didn't really start getting into the practice of investigation or spirit communication until I met Fred, um,
0: and Fred also, you know, has, has definitely uh, more personal experiences with the paranormal as a child. Yeah, you know, I guess I I my first, or at least the way, you know, my family remembers it and I kind of remember it is. I, I first started experiencing things around three and a half um, and it started with dreams and the dream that I first had was that my great-grandmother, she was going to die, but the dream didn't say, you know, how she was going to die, I just knew, it was like a sense of knowing and, and seeing this and I remember telling my, you know, my grandparents and my mom and, and they were just kind of like, okay, this is a creepy kid. And you know, because I'm telling them, okay, my great grandma's gonna die, she's gonna die in this date That's how you're gonna find her. And I'm like three and a half, and so I think they just thought, wow, you know, what an active imagination. And then a couple months later, my great grandmother really did die exactly how I saw it. And um, and I think that at that point it was. It, you know, was kind of validation for me because I I was there when they found my great grandmother, and I, you know at that time I was like believer, and I you know I was there and I was around, and um, I I kind of thought of it as validation, but it scared me, and it would continue to scare me throughout my childhood, and you know in, in fact I would have all kinds of visitations, and and for a while I I was very convinced you know my mother was dressing up and trying to scare me, you know she would tell me. You have to behave for the boogeyman is going to get you. And I thought this was for a way, for years, of like scaring me. Um, and I didn't understand. But I think, it, you know, it forced me to, one, try to be a good kid. Mm-hmm. And two, it, it really opened me up that the paranormal affects people in different ways. And as a kid, it scared me because I didn't understand it. And nobody really could tell me, no, it's okay. You know, these, there, there are things that are going to happen. There are ways to protect yourself. I didn't know that. And so I think what got me involved is saying, I'm noticing a trend on television. I'm noticing a trend and, you know, in society where, you know, we want to do these things and ghost tours and understand the paranormal because it's a thrill for a lot of people. And I thought, you know, I, I don't, that, that theme park mentality doesn't really fit. It doesn't really fit in with the paranormal, at least not in my experiences. So I wanted to make it less scary. Um, I wanted to, to make it more normal, and I think that's one of the things that that we really pride ourselves on. And that's what we say at the end of the tours. You know, we you know we we say you know one of our goals is to to make the paranormal more normal, um, and, and that is something that we really pride ourselves. And that's really the essence of why we do what we do and what got us into this.
1: That's amazing. Uh, it's very powerful as well. Um, you know, uh, and I think yes, you're right. Uh, coming from our um, our culture, you know, we're we're definitely a lot more anchored into our religious uh, artifacts, our beliefs, our our rituals. We're very spiritual people. That we're uh, speaking as a Catholic. Um, you know, my mother and my grandparents, uh, they all kind of instilled in us the 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 way of. Uh, and obviously, we do have a holiday named for just celebrating our, our Our families that have passed on, or the Dia de los Muertos, where we kind of celebrate that uh, in a way, but we also understand that there is a bit of a a cold, darker side to things, and you know, among those things, you know, uh, yeah, it's it can be when you're presented at such a young age with the ability to kind of sense these things and not understand them. I can definitely see how that can. you know, get, get, you know, give you a, a sense of, like, what is going on, you know? Um, yeah, you know,
0: I, another thing I want to ask that, you know, I think a lot of people ask is, what is the scariest investigation you've done? What is the scariest thing you've ever experienced? And I think from, uh, you know, a, an investigator's point of view, some of the scariest things is, you know, being in a property and a homeless person being there and asleep, you know, and not expecting it or, yeah. you know, having... a a wild animal run through you know an investigation and you know i think that the the world in itself is is one that is is that it is one that we don't quite understand and so it's scary enough just the world the way it is and so i think the idea of okay the paranormal yes it can be dark and yes it can be all these things but if we have an understanding a basis we can keep ourselves healthy and safe and and happy in a lot
1: of ways. Yeah. And I completely agree with you. I think, uh, from, um, at least for me, I try to understand it where I, you know, and I kind of, you know, just like you, you're a fan of the the horror films and I've seen some of this uh, paranormal movies and uh, and looking at, you know, shows on, you know, discovery and, and all that where they go on and, they recently had a documentary on the Warrens and uh, their their real life cases and they played audio and a lot of, whether it's possessions or investigations that they went on, and, um, and they both have passed on now, but uh, those were real trailblazers of the in, of, of what the paranormal investigation mainstream is now. Um, I think they also came from a place of like helping people. And that is one thing that I, I feel you, you know you guys as a team i i guess you guys present that same type of aspect of like we're here to help people and help people understand that because your pipes (laughs) or creaks in the door that doesn't mean it's haunted you know And, and and if you are experiencing something you know this is where you should really kind of seek help or or try to understand what's really going on um and, and once again like maybe you can speak a little bit about moving into like a new space and you kind of sense things and you know it, it, you know ignoring I mean, some people may ignore that and be like oh it's just kind of a you know it's different energy or it's just new or i don't know uh, maybe you can talk a little bit into that yeah, um yeah i i think that you
2: know that, that's the most uh common stories that we get from people you know, I live in a haunted house or I move to a new house and it, it, there's some activity there or they have memories from their, their childhood home where they remember activity. Um, and what we always share with people is that, you know, you, you want to, um, of course, like, be curious um, and but not be afraid so much. A lot of times, the spirit world, the spirits around us, they just want to coexist with us. Um, they were there potentially before us, they were, you know, that was their space potentially, and maybe they just want to say hi sometimes. Um, and so we always try to go into a new space with a sense of, of security, but also a sense of curiosity. Um, And then also for us, it's important to do research. So whenever we do go into a space or if somebody's asking us to go into a space, we do research on that property, the land that it's on, what happened there, did anybody die there, you know, and we find that you can find a lot of information just in in general, you know, at the library online, and that is very helpful to understand why an energy is in a space. Um, And that is helpful for
0: investigations or communication. Yeah, I agree. You know, and here in Texas, at least, you know, when you're going to buy a home, we, we do have to now disclose that did somebody die on the property. Uh, and so that's one of the first things, you know, to to, to to have an understanding and not to be afraid of death. That's a very natural thing. But giving us a background on the property, understanding a property that you're moving into is helpful. But also when you go in, what do you feel? You know, do you feel strange? Do you, you know, have a weird feeling? Does it feel like this could be your home? Um, or does it feel like this is a home that is is pleasing the, the the ego within you? You know, like, is it just beautiful? Is it just, you know, you kind of have to look at the emotional side of that and not just the you know, the, yes, I like it. No, I don't like it. You know, it's like opening ourselves up. Saying, do we, you know, does this resound in us? You know, does this vibe with us? Um, And and I think that our bodies tell us very often, you know, we'll feel discomfort. We may feel something in in our stomach. We may also feel a chill or, you know, maybe the hair stand up on our arms or on the back of our neck. And I think that these are just really good indicators to look at that and to look at those kinds of things. And and I think that, you know, for the most part, when people end up in a home and they notice activity, usually the activity is very innocent. But it can still be alarming after a while, you know, experiencing those kinds of things. And so I think that's the other thing is, is not to buy into the sensationalism, but to, to understand that we're not the first people here, we're not the last people here, and you know, here in San Antonio, we have, you know, a history of, of 10,000 years of Native Americans living and thriving before the European settlers the Spanish ever came here, you know. so. There's a history, it doesn't matter where you go. In San Antonio, it doesn't matter where you go, there is going to be a story, whether it's a brand new house or a house that has been here since the 1800s. There's still a story there. I think a lot of people
2: naturally, because of what they've seen on TV or in movies, they will naturally think, okay, I'm dealing with a demon or there's something evil. Um, and it is our belief that, yes, this is, this happens. But it is very few and far between, and most people in their lifetime will never,
0: ever, ever experience anything that is evil or demonic. That doesn't mean it's not going to happen, but it's very, very rare. You know, in fact, you know, one of one of our friends is uh, Joanne Rivetta, the owner of the the Black Swan Inn here in San Antonio, and of course, the Black Swan has a very old history and. She's lived in a haunted home for, you know, going almost on forty years, and she has a lot of stories. But one of the most profound ones that I've ever heard her tell is is that you know she had spent years uh, kind of dealing with the ghost, dealing with spiritual activity, dealing with little problems that would arise from nowhere, and it takes its toll. And so, you know, she told a story to us about how she was doing an EVP session, and somebody that was with her in the group. Asked the question, they were talking to the spirits there at the Black Swan. They asked the question, you know, uh, Jolene is one of the spirits that resides there. And they called her by name. They said, Jolene, um, why are you trapped here? Why are you here? And and they, a few seconds later on the EVP, they hear, I am not trapped here. This is my home. And then there was a pause. And then you very clearly hear, and this is your home too, Jolene. Oh, wow. And so I. Think they, there is an existence. There's an understanding that, you know, it can be two people, you know, a spirit home and a human home at the same time, and that can be so profound, and we can coexist, but the truth is, it's like anywhere you go, you know, it, uh, there's activity, there's spirit, you know, we energy is going to be all around us, and that's just what it is. It's very simple. You know, I always use this example with people, you know, that if you go into a room, just after something gets had an argument, you know they've had an ugly fight, they've said ugly words to one another. You go in that room, you still feel it. You still feel that energy. That's no different from a huh. It's just that this energy gets left behind. Um, and, and so I think that if we approach it on the idea of energy and the idea of understanding and feeling energy, it can be a little less scary too.
1: Oh wow, that definitely opened my eyes a little bit here. Um... that's powerful um when you and and when you're talking about like people leaving that certain energy behind uh, i mean like you said if it was strong words shared it was a confrontation or something and you know obviously that energy still remains behind um you know what can you do to kind of either cleanse the home or uh, just to kind of uh, make sure, and I, I don't know that this is going to be like a routinely mainly maintenance thing, but more of like, hey, you yeah. know, it, it's good to kind of uh, light some incense or, you know, a palo santo. I don't I don't know. Uh, you can probably educate me sure. on that. I, I always recommend
0: that if you're going to move into a new space, whether you're owning it, you're renting it, temporary, it's a wonderful idea to, to cleanse it it just gets rid of other people's energy. You don't want, you know, to to be living in somebody else's stuff. You know, you want your own space. You want your own things. And so you're going to want your own energy in your space. Uh, And, and, uh, you know, of course, the earth provides for that. It's long been thought, you know, that we can use earth elements to clean and purify a space. So I always recommend, you know, stage is a wonderful thing to clean. It's wonderful to also, you know, just kill, Uh, you know, bacteria and germs that are in the air and purifies the air. But it really does, you know, if you stage the home and, you know, you you leave right after you stage it, you come back, I swear you can still it be lighter and clearer and cleaner. Um, Just like, you know, on Sundays growing up, you know, we would always clean the house on on Sunday. And Sunday the house always felt brighter and cleaner. We cleaned it. And that's the same way with, with that spiritual cleanse. And so, age is wonderful for that uh, and then like you said you can use other things for, for energy and to, to to help the vibe of the space so like Palo santo is wonderful I, but the, the two things that I always recommend are sage and copal um, copal is a tree resin that has a beautiful smell you know if you're a Catholic you've probably smelled it in in, in the church of the incense they usually have a combination of, of three different resins and copal is usually one of those And so it's a, a rather familiar scent but it really leaves behind a lot of positivity and just good energy, I think, and so do that. You know, if you're a religious person, follow your own traditions, those are wonderful. Uh, I think everybody has different traditions, and well, you know, I think every one of them work um, in its way, and um, I would just suggest making it your own, making it your own while respecting what has been there in the past.
1: Truly, yes. And one of the things that you did touch on was the history of Native Americans just here in Texas. I always think, and, and I, I always, before I even watched some sort of a haunting episode, I'm like, you know what? That's going to trace back to Native Americans. And normally it always does because of the, you know, the, the hor- horrific history that was done upon them, you know. Uh, they would, uh, you know, the white settlers would go in and intrude on their burial grounds, or you know, take take their land from them, or, or just intrusive into what their what, what their lives were. And I felt like that left a lot of shock and a lot of rage and and just a lot of anger there. That for some reason it still is perpetual yeah. energy to, to to this to this day. And some people experience that in such a powerful way that it's just like. That's an angry, angry spirit. How can you tell the difference between when you're dealing with something that's like compared to an angry spirit?
0: Well, I think one is, is being genuine, you know, is explaining yourself, being genuine. One of the other big things is that, you know, I think that we as a society, a Judeo-Christian society, you know, this is all within raising reason. We think we know the world only through the lens of Christianity, Judeo-Christianity, these kinds of things. And, and there's much more, you know, especially when we think about the history of, of Texas, the history of that, you know, where we live in San Antonio. And uh, we, we look at Christianity being here. It's only been here for about, you know, a little over 300 years. It's, it's a new, new religion. And so we can't understand things in, in the perspective of only Christianity, but we have to understand things and say, you know, through the idea that Christianity wasn't here. And Mm -hmm. so one is respect, is is having that respect and not trying to fit our own beliefs within the box and saying, well, you are supposed to respond to this holy water. That spirit may have no idea what your holy water is, and it may be annoying them if they don't understand. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that coming to the idea of respect, coming to the idea that we're new, that being a Texan uh, in today's format in the spiritual world is, is very, very new. Uh, I think that's the first thing is understanding that we don't know anything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that may be hard for some of us <laughs> to kind of do, especially in these times. <laughs>
0: but, you know, we don't know. We have ideas. We have theories. But in a paranormal world, is still one that is vastly undiscovered. And so uh, we can't assume. We just can't assume. And we should be willing to say, you know what? Maybe in 1995 this is what we thought, but now it's, you know, going to be 2021 and, and, and this is how we see the truth today, you know, and I think that we have to constantly be looking at where have we been confused, where have we utilized the mindset that was, you know, given to us by, you know, the European settlers and how do we understand that in perspective, you know, the idea of. Are, are, are so out there. I think that you know that we have no idea, really, how many different spirits, what kind of spirituality, has survived within you know the Americas in the last you know ten thousand
1: plus years. Yeah, when you talk about it from that lens, you you definitely give it a different a different perspective uh, where it's not just what's in front of you, but more of like look what's been behind you. Um, and, and, yeah. and grasp why that may be where we are today. Um, one of the things I want to also kind of... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I think that one of the most interesting things to me is that I
0: think kids sometimes see things as they are. And, you know, we'll have kids on tours, and you know, sometimes they will say, I see this. And it sounds like a creature, you know. Sometimes they describe weird things. And we automatically think, oh, they have no idea what they're talking about. They're just imaginative. But what if they're able to see something that we cannot and, mm-hmm. and that perhaps has been here for a very long time and, and we just have never seen it? We've never experienced it. And I think that you know our, our children, they get you know these, uh, these wild perspectives on the paranormal. And I think some parapsychologists even believe that as we get older, our, our eye changes and the, uh, you know, our peripheral vision changes. And because of that, sometimes maybe we don't see as much as we get older. And so perhaps we need to, to pay attention to the, the words of children, and maybe they have something that we can learn from them
1: too, within that perspective. Yes, and, and just humbly uh, listening and, and understanding that. Yeah. That, that's there. And, and I think that's the key word, humility, and, and humbly and trying to understand. Uh, where, like you said earlier, we don't know it all, you know, um, especially about yeah. something from the spiritual side, the spiritual world, you know, we, we, we tend to maybe just kind of lean a little bit on what the mainstream is kind of fed to us, but that's very true. Um, yeah, it, it's very true. Um, one thing I did want to touch on was also, you know, when you give your tours, um, what, and even then, like, uh, I know you start off, uh, kind of going through these historical sites around the downtown area of San Antonio. Um, what particularly drew you to these areas? Obviously, uh, uh, the Alamo has its own, you know, historical, just a historical site in itself and the history there. But what kind of drew you to kind of do a little bit of more research around the surrounding area that encompassed the the mission? But and, and maybe some people don't know, but that was that was already within inside the 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 land where the Mexican troops were sieging the Texans at the time. And that was, I believe, was towards the back of the, uh, of the enclosure, closure there. And so the surrounding area that is now around the Alamo, that all used to be where all these Texans were residing, eating, and they fought and died around those areas. Am I right? Yeah, that's
2: correct. And, and you know, for, for us, uh, I think what drew us to that area was really, and a lot of the places that we go to, is, there's layers of history. And, you know, the Battle of the Alamo was 13 days, uh, but there's so much that has happened since then and that happened before then. And we know that the land that the Alamo is on and, you know, all of those hotels, it's adjacent to the river, the San Antonio River, and the river was the life source to our indigenous populations who were here for 10,000 years at least. Or any European settlers so the amount of, of life that that area has seen but also the amount of death that that area has seen as well not related to the Battle of the Alamo but also pulling in that history of, of Texas independence but then after that all of these hotels coming around there was the first uh, you know mainstream hospital uh, in that area right adjacent to it as well Morgan. and so it's just there's so much history to share and to tell, and, and what we've found in our own personal research is that there's a lot of history that has been erased, forgotten, or just purposefully um, you know, shifted or, or not told correctly um, in favor of white settlers, in favor of the Texians. And that was just something that happened. And so for us, it was about uncovering the different histories, sharing the different histories, and letting people know, like, hey, this was also Native American land. This was not our land first. And yeah. just that that key point alone opens people's eyes to the idea
0: of, wow, this was just a battle site. You know, this was yes. not just a battle site; It was more than that. I, I think, you know, for me, my, my first attraction you know as a child the young child was the river um the, the San Antonio river of course you know this is how the Spanish discovered San Antonio and, and, and really fell in love with the beauty of of San Antonio you know this area because this river was so gorgeous and it was so um uh, vital to the lives here and so I remember as a child like like being on a stroller literally being on a stroller and being on the river and just like loving that that river, and then I remember being, you know, in in the Alamo and uh, with my grandparents and getting a book um, called When Darkness Falls by Dosha Williams, and you know she was a historian here. I, I, I think she may still be alive, but when she is, she's very old. But you know, she was a historian in San Antonio, and she was really one of the very first people to go and investigate ghost stories, mm. and she kind of, I feel like it's a definitive book of all of San Antonio's ghost stories and legends, uh, you know, and, and I remember reading it and, and kind of thinking, I'm so fascinated by this. I'm so fascinated by the connections with the river. But what didn't sit right with me is that Dosha Williams told this from the same perspective, of what you know, I think many people learn the story of the Alamo. You know, the brave and the free, and you know this kind of thing. But we really look into history, and it's not exactly that story. And Dosha Williams, you know, tried to make it seem I think that Native Americans wanted to decolonize and it was helpful to them. And I remember thinking, I just don't, I don't think that's the truth. <laughs> and I would think that as a kid, I, I read her book. Um, and she wrote several, actually, and I wrote. I read them over and over, and I would read these stories, and and I was just really perplexed. And I thought, okay, there's something more to this. And so I think what got me was the curiosity, and, and Dosha Williams being the person who would tell these stories from that narrative that was, you know, widely, I think, acceptable at the time. But I think in today's day and age, we can look at them and say, you know, were these told from a slant, were these told only from, you know, the uh, the white perspective, um, the settlers' perspective. And, and so now the idea is going back and retelling these stories and reclaiming our space and reclaiming our time and giving justice to, you know, the, the people of the river, or the people of San Antonio, and the people who lived before the Spanish ever came and died some of them because of the fan
1: you're coming to this area. That is true. Uh, and it's. I think it's up to us as individuals to really, really do our own research and and go outside of the classroom um, where we're, yeah. we're, we're giving these statewide, you know. Uh, I, I feel like as I was going through my elementary and then through middle school and high school, I, I, I think I was just kind of given the bite-sized information of like this is what happened texans won we're cool now we have an animal and, and nothing more than that as far that, as for me that i remember and here's a quiz and the truth is that history that you learned was probably boring <laughs> Very much <And> so. <laughs> the root history, um, history of Texas and of San Antonio is not boring at all. <laughs> no, I agree. I I completely agree. I, you know, one thing that I'm I'm you know just curious to know within both of your researches, if you guys were able to find anything that links the Civil War era time to any hauntings in San Antonio or or perhaps any type of uh, correlation from that time of the Civil War. Um, yes, there.
0: Um, there is an apparition. At, um, okay, so so we have Main Plaza, and it's the plaza the right in front of the uh, the cathedral. And this plaza has been of utmost importance to the people of San Antonio for a very long time. One originally was a worship place for Native Americans before the Spaniards came. Then it became where the Spaniards would build a church, uh, San Fernando Cathedral, as we know it today. But this was the land of also gathering and meeting. Um, and there were lots of, um, there were lots of duels, lots of, you know, gunfighting. And so there's a story of a officer who got into a fight with somebody else about, you know, some kind of thing that was happening at the civil war. It was very petty and, um, and, and it resulted into this duel and one, one member gets, you know, draws their gun quicker than the other and one dies there in, in the plaza and this is Uh, You know, in the, I think the 1880s at this point. And uh, and so this is a story that comes out when you start hearing, you know, phantom gunshots, you know, uh, this kind of activity surrounding the ideas of, of course, some gunfighting in the area. And that's also associated, you know, with, um, you know, of course, our red light district and the gaming areas of San Antonio um, in the 1860s to the early 1900s. That's one, and then of course we have the, the arsenal um, that is now H U B headquarters. and there are some rumors that it is haunted. Um, But uh, of course, the arsenal was taken over from the United States government by the Confederate and was utilized as a, you know as a Confederate. Um, you know it is a Confederate building and a Confederate, uh, I, I guess, where they would load ammunition and these kinds of things as well. Or you know, put together ammunition, and so we, we get a little bit of that history there, too, and that's, of course, directly on the river, and the arsenal is, you know, part of King William District, so we do get that, too, from King William District. We also get, you know, stories that come out of the 1900s where, you know, we began to hear about some uh, some taxians that greatly opposed what was going on, and, and we hear about them, you know, taking public office and trying to make change in the, the 1900s. We, we do have a lot of history
1: with the Civil War here and a lot of connections, too. Mm. And I'm, I'm wondering also, and, you know, the people that work now in these buildings, um, are they kind of persuaded not to talk about these things if asked or um, perhaps not disclose information? You know, are they under some sort of like hush-hush kind of thing? Or what do you sure. think?
2: Yeah, so it, it varies, and it, it, it really does depend on um, the owner of the property, um, but when we were regularly touring downtown, and, you know, we would go to restaurants or convenience stores and different places all around there, and people would tell us all kinds of stories because they would see, you know, we do ghost tours, um, but then there were some people who would tell us, like, you know, you can't tell anybody this, we're not supposed to tell those stories. Mm-hmm. Um because they're a prominent hotel or their owners would prefer they not share those types of stories. Because San Antonio, you know, we're a, a big tourist city, and so I, I think that there are some owners of property or some people who run hotels that would prefer that they not have the haunted history associated with it. But when we were downtown, we would hear a lot of stuff from, from all types of workers around there.
1: Anything, yeah, for a- sure. Anything in particular from the, from the Alamo staff?
0: No, uh, the Alamo South is, is, is rather guarded about those things. I would say that you've you hit it right there. Well, that's probably the place that has the biggest narrative that is outlined. Uh, and, and it makes sense, you know, mm-hmm. that they have this narrative. You know, and it, it's part of tourism and it, it's our economy. Um, and, and we've also heard similar things with the Mingre. Now, the Mingre doesn't ever say that they're not a haunted hotel. But there are certain stories that they don't tell, um, and I think a lot of that is because it's associated with some of the, the doom and gloom, and also the idea that you know Texians had a dark history and did negative and bad things, and we we for the longest time and you know really have wanted to tell the the story of the Alamo Plaza in terms of like Stephen said, thirteen days and. There's over 300 years of history here, so we can't tell that story in just 13 days. And so there are a lot of people that like to do it because it's a story that's inspiring. One, that people think that, you know, it's about our freedom and overcoming obstacles, but there's more to it. And I think a lot of people
2: assume that it's bad to tell some of the negative parts of our history or share those things. But the, the the truth is that we won't learn from our past or from our history if we just brush it over, if we don't tell those stories. And so looking at the negative things that have happened in our city, in our country, in this world, like that is how we're going to grow. That is how we are going to learn. That is how we're going to become better as a people. And so that's what we always tell people is that, you know, you know, this is, This is sad stuff that happened, Um, but we can be better than that. Exactly. Yes. I think that's really a good ghost story should do. It should teach
0: us to be better. It teaches to be better people. And I'm a a, a weird lover of Victorian literature, and uh, you know, one of my favorite Victorian writers is Charles Dickens, and you know, he wrote one of the most famous ghost stories ever, which is The Christmas Carol. And um, it's all, it's a story about being a better person. And this is what, it, the whole thing is Ebenezer Scrooge at the end of the story becomes a better person. And that really is what ghost stories should do. It's not
1: meant to scare us. It's meant to get us to behave. It's meant to get us to, to get focused. You know, <laughs> yes. Get on, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. in uh... some ways, I look at some of the things that happened to me as a child, like, you know, they were scary. But if I didn't have that, if I didn't have that confusion, I wouldn't be who I was today. And so I think to all of us, whether we're believers or not in the paranormal, a good ghost story is healthy for all of us. There's a reason why all of our parents told us the story of La Llorona. You know, we know that story and it's a part of our culture. It's a part of who we are, but it goes beyond that. It
1: helped us to be a better version of ourselves. And, and just to uh, kind of elaborate a little bit on that, on that story, and we were all told a version of that, um, I think you and I have probably shared the same story, uh, uh, but do you feel like there is, there has to be some factual, uh, I guess, fact based on, in that, in that story, it wasn't some, because I've talked to coworkers that are from Ecuador, from El Salvador, and they have their own version. And I'm like, well, I don't know that there's a different version that I was told that, I mean, I'm not in competition to debunk any any theories, but I'm like, you know, there has to be some facts grounded in that tale, correct? I mean, all of these things, you
0: know, the idea of loss and suffering is prevalent in every city and every country and every culture. And so these are stories that probably... Have a resemblance to things that happened in people's own community, and because it's a universal story, we see it everywhere. And um, and I do think that we see it everywhere. And and I do think that's why we have different versions, because almost every version, the meat and bones are the same. The ideas are the same. Um, it, it, it's the details that are a little bit different.
1: Right. Yeah. No. Yes. For sure. And. You know, Stephen, uh, the one, well, actually, this question is geared towards both of you individually. Um, anyone that, I guess, what, what advice would you give your younger selves? <laughs> if, if you were in, sitting in the room with each other right now, what advice would you give yourselves, you know, your younger selves where you are now? <laughs> well only because what i I would consider what you guys do is is definitely it's it's a way of helping people right but it's not always well received i I think that would be my estimation it's not because of from an angle of misunderstanding or non-believers right so since it's kind of an unorthodox type of field to be in yeah, I mean, if you're looking at your younger self and say, hey, buddy, in 20 years, you know, or in 10 years, this is where we are. So, you know, uh, what, what would you say? Follow your dreams?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think I think I have something. I think it would be lower your expectations. And <laughs> <laughs> not everybody's going to understand, and that's okay. that's okay. And I think that, that that is, in essence, what we learn often from these stories is that Not everybody is at the same page. Not everybody's going to understand. We're going to make mistakes. Lower your expectations. uh, You know, I think would really have helped me to be um, to focus on what really matters.
2: Yeah, I think for me, uh, there was a period in my life where I was very conflicted about what I wanted to do, and I felt like, okay, hey, I'm I'm like I'm good at computers. I can do that. I'm going to go study computer science, and I'm going to make money. You know, it was all about. Like, how am I going to be live comfortably and make make a good amount of money? Um, but I was also very creative, and I love to write, and I love to read, and I love to kind of, like, dissect literature. And that was, like, my favorite thing to do. And, and looking at it now, in terms of, like, what I'm doing today, like, it's, it's very similar. Like, you know, we're, this is history that we're looking at. This is also storytelling. And using words to, to share um, is so important. Um, in everybody's lives and I, I think if I were to be able to tell myself at a younger age you know 10 11 12 this is valuable you know studying this is valuable reading is, is important um, and it's good not just because it's fun but like you know this is something that you could do you could read you could write you could share um, so that that's something that I would tell myself
1: for sure that's yeah. awesome or, or just you know for it's not just ghostbusters really <laughs> to be honest um do you and, and one of the things also I'm, I'm very curious about is how do you go into a uh preparing into an investigation once somebody places a call and is seeking your 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 help how do you go about preparing mentally and and just kind of saying maybe this is where we're getting ready to encounter i mean i don't know do you bring the Holy water. I mean, I don't know. Just kind of go into that a little bit.
0: I think one of the things that we do that's important maybe is different from some teams is we really do spend a lot of time before we go out with a person, before we go out to a place, trying to turn every stone. We're not, you know. I think there's a lot of people who think that they're they're going through something that is that is very significant, and and often what that is. Is an emotional thing, and sometimes that emotional thing, it, it, you know, does have the paranormal involved. Sometimes it doesn't, and so the first thing that we really do is we try to understand: is this an emotional thing? Is this, uh, you know, we, we try to to really understand the client and spend some time. and We don't want to waste their time, and we don't want to waste our time. And so I think one of the first understanding, the thing that we do to understand is where are they? And we talk about that and we spend time with that and we say, do they really need this? Could it hurt them to do an investigation and confuse them more right now? And I think part of that investigation is is just, uh, you know, that preparation is is conversation. Um, And I think that's a big part of what we do. And, And if we converse and we take time to accurately communicate with one another, it allows it to be safer and easier for us. We also do pray, you know. Um, we, we believe in spirit and we believe in prayer. Um, and uh, and so we do use that. Um, that's another format. And then I think the other thing is that we just try to plan ahead. We try to plan for the scenario and what we might need and try to be a working on. Yeah, and I think we go into a space that, this, you know, if
2: we look through that first step where we've interviewed the person over the phone and got a sense of what they're experiencing. We feel like, okay, this is worth investigating and checking out. If we do get to that place where we can go inside someone's home or a certain property, we, we want to look up that information before, check out that history, like I mentioned. Um, but then enter the space with, with respect, with peace, going into that space with the, in, the, in the right state of mind, Um, and not being afraid or coming with anxiety because that can very much affect the experience of the person in the home and affect the potential haunt that might be taking place in that space as well.
1: It's interesting. Um, Any particular, I guess, that, that you can remember, any case that you kind of went into and you were left with an attachment or anything that just kind of stayed with you?
2: Not so much. I mean, an attachment, but there, I mean, we, we there was one um, investigation in particular. We went to the Presidio La Bahia in Goliath, which is an old uh, mission, and it was also a site of a massacre um, from Santa Ana, and there were I believe five hundred um, about five hundred Texians who were, who were brutally massacred there. Um, we went twice. To that property. The first time it was just me and Fred and it was really, really uncomfortable. We felt like we were being watched the whole time and you're able to stay on site overnight. Wow. And yeah, it's really cool. They have the living there. A lot of people will uh, get married at the chapel there and then stay on site and they'll be there like little honey. Um, so it's really, really cool uh, and the history is great too. But we just felt really, really off and um, the, we decided to go back a second time with a larger group with other investigators. Um, and I started feeling sick on the way over there and it got worse and worse and worse and I was like severe stomach pain. Um, and as we were getting closer and closer, it got really, really bad and I couldn't even participate in the investigation that night. Um, and it was a really, really active night for the, the rest of the group. People were experiencing very emotional things. They, there was gusts of like kind of gusts of air coming out of nowhere. There was also randomly like a pack of dogs that was going onto to the property. It was just like a very, very active night. Um the pain didn't go away for me. The next day I requested to be like, taken to the hospital. Um and I had uh I had to get my six and so, you know, that could be coincidence, but um, it could have also had something to do with the haunt and the energy there just being so intense. And that was probably the, the most intense property that we've ever been to and one that maybe I would not go back to.
1: Yeah. Now, and you and you mentioned that there were other investigators there with you. Uh, you know, I have to think that um, someone who who isn't an investigator but is a fan of it and that can actually think... That from watching these shows, that from week to week they're just ready to go into it again, and I just don't believe that you that it, when you go through something traumatic like that and you're drained, it, t- it, should, it takes an effect on your mind, your your body physically, it drains your energy. How can it be possible that you just go back into another investigation in a week? I mean, can you just kind of debunk some of those like mainstream, uh, I guess, ideas that some people may have about these shows? and it's from a personal perspective obviously
2: i i think the biggest misconception that these shows give people is that every property is going to be consistently active throughout an investigation most of the time we're just sitting there for hours waiting for something to happen we have a lot of equipment out we try different experiments we we use different equipment and there's even times where we will investigate and nothing happens you know and so it is a lot of waiting and it is very very boring sometimes um and when the activity does happen sometimes it's just one little thing um and so i it's not as intense uh as any of these shows make it out to be. or (laughs) interesting yeah and so i think that for people who are just like really really wanting to experience something um you know you you may be sorely disappointed going into a paranormal
1: investigation. <laughs> so To follow with that, what advice would you give anyone that's listening or that's wanting to get into investigating or, or think this is something that maybe they're calling?
0: Um, I think one, the first thing that I would say is explore. Be curious. Don't spend a lot of money on equipment. We don't really need to do that, uh, especially when you're starting off. I think a lot of people want to go out and buy you know, all kinds of very expensive and fancy equipment because it's seen it on a show. You know, I really re- I recommend, you know, having a copy a recorder, using a camera, um, you know, and it can even be, you know, a camera on a phone or a tablet. Is, you, know, you know, try to make things very, very simple and really concentrate on learning about spirit communication and ways in which to understand the spirit world, um, and, and also be dedicated to documenting your things. You don't just want to say, "Oh my God, this happened," and you know, you know document what what happened, either uh, you know, through audio recordings or through journals. You know, have a documentation of these kinds of things. Uh, I think that's very, very important um, to help you. To become an investigator and to look back and to learn from investigations. Um, I think that uh, that a lot of us go in super excited. And so we're so excited that we're sometimes just uh, exacerbating activity. We're, we're creating psychic energy in which we can experience something. And it may be very minute. It might actually, you know, we think we see an orb and we're so convinced by it. And the truth is we're just so excited that what we saw was perhaps a piece of dust float into the camera lens uh, so one is, is is challenge yourself don't believe everything that you see. try to debunk try to figure things out um, and, and, and be always a person who challenges yourself and challenges the situation and say okay could this be this could this be that you know could this just be an anomaly that happened with this camera you know don't jump to a conclusion it's very exciting to jump to conclusions but it can lead you down the right wrong path yeah and I think also like think about why you want to do it what, what, what's the purpose of your practice like do
2: you <laughs> do you want to get into it to be that famous you know do you want to be famous is that what you want <laughs> or do you want to go into this because you're curious and you want to learn more about your, your main past experiences or the paranormal in general or you know for us, Is it about helping people? You know, is is it about helping people cope with the paranormal or get through personal experiences? And that's really what it's turned into for us. We have um, loved to share our own experiences, but we love to help people understand the paranormal because it is all around us. Spirits are all around us, and people are going to experience it at different points in their lives. And the more that we understand the paranormal, and the more that we understand death, the less scary it can be, and potentially
1: the more happy we will be in our own lives. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, that's super insightful. Um, and one more thing also is to, to um, kind of talk to about like giving people advice who are dabbling into Ouija boards oh. and the occult and kind of opening up portals that they may or may not understand, and uh, and even kind of helping debunk some of those things that you know whether if if I, i've heard that yoga is one of those things also that kind of draws that type of energy to you i've heard that even meditating kind of uh, goes into into perhaps opening yourself into into that type of uh that type of uh acknowledgement from the spirit world so or or opening up your third eye in, in some sense so what, what can you guys kind of talk to about that i think that's- I think, first of all, um, we
0: have to look at things through the idea that you know, we whatever faith we are in, you know, in life, or we don't even have a faith, or whatever. It, it, the, the spirit, the energies we may be dealing with may be beyond our scope of understanding. I think that's the first thing to, to understand: to, to really understand how vast the possibilities in the universe out there could be. I think that if we were, that if we were approach Ouija boards, um, uh, yoga, meditation with respect, with kindness, with positivity, with peace. I don't think that we're going to open up a door or a weird thing. I think that what happens is that, you know, if you activate a third eye, you may start seeing things more. It's not because you, you know, opened up a portal. It's because now you can see something, you know, and I think that's a big part of it. You know, I had an individual tell me that I went to this abandoned building and I saw something. I saw an orb and it followed me and it was, you know, it was big. It wasn't like a piece of dust. It was like, you know, significant size and it was following me. And then it just disappeared. And then I got home and strange things happened. And I heard things and my cats responded. Well, it didn't necessarily follow you home. That's the first thing to somebody you know these it doesn't didn't mean that it followed you home it just means that maybe that you had a spiritual experience that third eye is open now and you're you're able to see things and experience things so i think the first thing is is that if people are curious about opening the third eye one do you really want to see this (laughs) like do you really want to see you know are you ready for that and so one thing to yourself am i ready do i understand it am i willing to understand it Can I be respectful? Can I be peaceful? Or am I just kind of using my own ego and proving a point to myself? Um, I do think that the spirit world can be volatile when they feel that somebody is taking advantage of them or hurting them. They want to utilize self-defense just as we would. And so I don't necessarily think that somebody who has an occult practice or even a faith or religion that has to do with the occult is bad. I cannot say that at all, but I think I can say, you know, that it, it, it's so important to to have some respect for things that you do not understand and not to be a jerk about it, you know. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, we see, you know, people on television challenging the spirit, demanding the spirit to present themselves or show themselves. I If that happened to me, and I was on the spirit world, and somebody is just being rude, I can guarantee you, I'm going to want to mess with that person on the spiritual level. I'm going to want to come in and do something that might freak them out. And it's just because, like, why are you going to be disrespectful? You know, the the idea that, you know, our grandparents taught us, you don't open a door before you knock on it first, you know. So knock on those doors, figure things out, don't be disrespectful, don't be a jerk, Uh, you know, don't do things because you're on a dare, Two things, because you're genuinely curious, because you're genuinely able to respect, because you have peace, because you have love in your heart. This is this is why you might, you know, dabble with these kinds of
1: things. Like. Right, and and of course, you know, if you're not respectful of it, um, there are consequences to that. Um, I've always, yeah. uh, as my mother uh, always told yeah. me, yeah, no, for sure, and I I always. One of the things that my mother always told me to, that's always stayed with me is the devil exists and you respect it and you you know it's there you just don't tempt it you don't you don't dabble in those things that we have not taught you and and, and that's always kept me from you know i guess uh, outside of movies uh, just understanding that there has to be a line of respect that my spirit won't allow me to even um it safeguards me i guess i can say
0: yeah, and, and I think that there are some people that are going to be attracted to the occult and can have a very good positive relationship with it through respect and there can be some people that just know that's not for me that's not for me like you're
1: saying I know that this is not for me and that's okay too All right. um, I do have a first for you guys so my girlfriend wants me to kind of segue in two questions for you guys if, uh, if, if that's okay sure, sure. so she writes. She's sitting right here, by the way. So she writes. She says, "I've been told to meditate to help with my empathy, but I stopped because I started seeing scary things." That's number one. The second one says, "Are there any? Are there other ways to deal with my empathy because it can be draining?" To deal with what? I'm sorry. To deal with with her empathy because it oh, can I be agree. draining.
0: First of all, I think that when we meditate, we're, we're we're coming into contact with our subconscious. And so I think what this person may be experiencing is literally the fear that is within, the fear that is in there, and it's real. That's a spiritual thing. And so when we, you know, when we have fear about the unknown, we can manifest the darkness. Fear is something that, of course, you know, we, we need to handle, we need to deal with. Um, and so I do think that when we see these things, we have to be gentle with ourselves, and we have to say, okay, why do I, why am I seeing this? Is there a part of me that's worried? Am I afraid of this? Am I afraid of differences? Am I afraid of these things? And if I am, how can I say to myself? How can I address my anxieties and say, okay, everything is safe. I am protected. I am loved. I, you know, because I think a lot of us we have these Christian perspectives that are beautiful and wonderful. But the Christian perspectives will often tell us, do not be afraid. If we have faith and if we trust, do not be afraid. Christianity tells us this. And so when we become fearful, what we do is we do allow that negativity to come at us. And there is negativity that exists out there for sure. So I think that it's not that negativity is looming around us. Connected to it in some kind of way, um, and we need to deal with that. We need to deal with our subconscious, we need to love ourselves. I think that's where that comes from. And as far as you know, growing within empathy and your empathetic gifts, one, know any empath out there that might be listening to it, please know you're not crazy. You're not crazy, you're feeling things, you're, you're experiencing real things, um, but often. The things that come forward, the anxiety that comes forward is only there to warn us that something could go wrong. Not that it will, but that it could. It's our body's ways, our subconscious ways of loving enough that says you need to to take care of yourself. You need to be careful. You need to think things through. It may even be a reminder we have to exercise our own faith. We have to call on our own God. We have to call on the angels, the saints, whatever we believe in. And we have to allow that faith to come forward. Um, so I do think, yeah, we can experience these things through meditation, but is it that the meditation is healing us and seeing these things and saying, let's address the fear. Let's address the worry and let's exercise the faith that
1: we can. Wow. That is, a. Uh... That that was definitely uplifting, and just from a yeah, just from a different perspective of uh, understanding that we do we are just tapping into the surface of our actual brains and, and the power that we actually do hold. Um, that, yeah, yeah. And
0: we hold immense power. We think that you know a spirit can have the the ability to last hundreds of years on 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 Earth. That has to tell us that
1: we as a human we as a spirit now are infinitely powerful very much so oh wow um so well thank you for answering that that I was very very uh, she's she's smiling from ear to ear thank you so much she's giving you guys thum- thums, thumbs up and th- and thank you um so tell us what what's coming up for you guys like um as 2021 draw uh, I'm sorry 2020 draws to a an new year and 2021 is about to hit us. Uh, Hopefully, it'll be way, way better, obviously. Um, What's coming up for you guys? Are are you guys doing any particular investigations? Are you guys kind of, uh, you know, sitting tight and and waiting for things to kind of open up again? Or how how are you guys approaching the 2021 year? Yeah, that's a great
2: question. 2020 has has really uh, challenged us to think about our format of storytelling and our format of investigations um, and tours. And so what we really have um, in line for 2021 is that we will be kind of a boutique private tour company and that people can have these very intimate one-on-one experiences with us doing tours in different places all around San Antonio. And we can share this history and connect with people on on a very, one-on-one basis and so we're going to continue on with our small group tours private tours um, and then also investigational tours that people can go and, and experience and that has allowed us to, to make some really great connections with people um, throughout the last you know, few months and we're, we're going to continue that but then we also have in the fall lined up um, or a, a potential summer lined up as our paranormal fest um, so that was uh, this past September we had scheduled it Uh, San Antonio Paranormal Fest at Victoria's Black Swan Inn, but of course we had to postpone it. And so we're looking at a new date in in the new year. Um, We want to continue on with this tradition um, and bring in other investigators, um, you know, have people go to that property and experience it for themselves and and welcome the the people of San Antonio, of course. Um, So that's another um, kind of annual tradition that we're really looking forward to having in some shape or fashion in 2021.
0: Yeah, you know, and of course, the thing that we do is, you know, we, we've always offered readings on a psychic medium and, you know, during this time, it, I've never been so busy reading for people all across, you know, all across the United States, you know, uh, people are are struggling, are, are dealing with things and have questions and so we'll continue to offer our readings and spiritual consultations and uh, herbalism and anything that we can offer as well to, to our community, not just here in Antonio, but you know, we do try to make ourselves accessible and available to guests from out of state who have visited us with us. And you know, we do readings. You no, know, we do these kinds of consultations, and so we'll still continue to offer that. Uh, and we love connecting with people that
1: way too. That's amazing. Oh well, definitely. Um, whenever we get an opportunity to go down there to San Antonio, we will be sure to contact you guys, and uh, hopefully we can yep. kind of do a little investigating tag along with you guys. Okay. Uh,
0: during the pandemic so we'd love to take you we, we do a tour of the cemetery number one the Victoria's Black Swan Inn and then we also are touring King Williams right now as well
1: oh that's awesome oh yeah yeah so
0: well, good stuff and fun things but more history and more perspective for, for San
1: Antonio and for Texas no that is that is awesome and then just also know anytime you guys feel uh, you want to share anything please you have a platform to do it I I I would love to get you guys on again um, whenever you guys get get to a, a, a place you, you have other. I know your time is, is definitely spread thin. Um, so whenever you do want a, a chance to, to kind of come out and promote something or, or talk about any more cases, please, I, I'd love to have you back on. Um, this has been very morning, insightful. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for, for reaching out to us. We appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. Had a good time. Oh, thank you, guys, uh, Fred and Steven. Thank you so much for for uh, sharing this uh, this wonderful knowledge with us. And so gracious. Thank you again. Um, once again, before we wrap up the show, please feel free to um, uh, plug in your social media and your contact information so that anybody listening uh, and is interested in uh, contacting you can do so. Sure.
2: Yeah, you can find us at curioustwins dot or Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram: curious twins paranormal
1: awesome well once again guys thank you for for the, the just being so gracious with us and uh to all our listeners i uh, thank you so much for tuning in as uh, we're wrapping up our, our show for for today uh once again this is fred and steven guzman uh curious twins I appreciate it. You thank take you. Good care. you you too you pleasure. be safe we'll be in
0: touch the american experience with Ernesto Palomino